Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you have. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. And the Clark Deals team is working hard as they can to make sure you know about each of the wave of sales that are going on right now in lieu of the traditional Black Friday extravaganza as retailers are trying to space out crowds and keep stores from being full of very, very large crowds of people and checkout lines in various sections of the store trying to find merchandise and all the rest. The sales are going on in dribs and drabs. And I saw something with Walmart's newest sale which I had never remembered happening for a holiday season sale. They are advertising on certain days things that are hard to find, like the PlayStation 5, at full retail price, but only making it available on certain days to hold down the crowds that will be in the stores. And on that note, with the massive spike in coronavirus just recently, Walmart is going back to tight capacity controls in their stores. They're going back to having an employee at the door with a counter, a clicker, having railings up at very busy stores that you have to line up at six feet apart from other people, fully masked, and Once they hit capacity, which is going to be roughly 20% of traditional store total theoretical capacity, then people outside will have to wait for people to leave for other people to go in. So we're going back to something that was a procedure in Walmart stores back in the spring in states that were having really bad outbreaks now that we're in a situation where I think it's 48 of the 50 states are having a very high spikes in the number of people with coronavirus these are national policies to cut the number of people in the stores and the timing for retailers couldn't be worse other retailers doing similar kind of strategies to reduce the number of people inside their buildings In addition, Costco has tightened its rules on being masked up. You know, there are a number of retailers and restaurants that may have policies that say what you must do, but some enforce them more than others. Costco, from very early on with coronavirus, has had very, very strict national standards that have been enforced more or less universally across all their stores. One exception at Costco was that if somebody had a medical condition that they claim kept them from being masked up, they were allowed in, and that is no longer the case. Uh, As of today, no, yesterday, under Costco's new rules, um, anyone who has a medical exception to why they cannot wear a mask will either not be allowed in the store or they will have to wear a full face shield. 
and do their best imitation of being an astronaut. So the idea is to prevent community spread and make retail environments as safe as possible. And in addition, be able to keep stores open, which is something that people want so badly, but it's going to require cooperation from you and me. Heather's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Heather. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Heather. How can I be of service to you? Well, first, I want to thank you for your service. Many of my friends listen to you, and we get lots of pointers from you, so wanted to pass along our thanks. I appreciate that. So my problem is I am very empathetic, almost to the point of fault, where I I give a lot. I work in a high poverty school. I'm an elementary school teacher, and I buy my students snacks every day, and they get prize box every Friday. And that's not so much it as I, I also have a couple friends who are, you know, down on their luck and maybe they can't pay their rent. And I get caught up in, do I help them or taking it out of my own savings? Or I don't know, I just get stuck. Like I end up feeling guilty if I don't help them out. So question for you, the amount of money that your kind heart pulls from your wallet Is it affecting your own financial security? Are you doing this to the point that you're putting your own financial situation at risk or your future retirement at risk? No, not at all. Okay. Do you have people who who say, hey, you know, people are just taking advantage of you? I mean, like, what is it? Okay. (laughs) I get that a lot. You know, like, oh, you know, she's just found a, you know. That you're an easy mark. I'm an easy person, yeah, and, but... Um, All right, can I make like a one, suggestion? I call it the sure. one-time rule. Sure. So when somebody gives you a story, forget the kids, I'm talking about adults. Sure. When somebody gives you a story and you feel compelled to help, that you mm-hmm. say, I'll do what I can, but this is the only time I can ever do this for you. Gotcha. And stick to it and mean it. Okay. I like that idea. Because, you know, to ask you to stop being the kind-hearted soul you are and just go cold turkey is not going to work. No. (laughs) Right. But if you set a clear limit that protects you going forward and you give a very clear message, you know, I got to make sure I've been... been, um, putting myself in a situation you tell a little bit of a fib other than what your answer was to me you say you know i gotta make sure i don't hurt myself financially so i can help you this one time but i won't be able to help you again okay because usually once you've been soft-hearted with somebody there are people that'll take advantage and once you've done it once they'll be back again and again have you had any of those repeat people had a couple uh-huh. <laughs> um, one one um never paid me back anything but that was kind of the understanding and the other one had paid me back every time except the last time okay but again even if somebody is saying i'm good for the money i'll pay you back i promise yeah it still should only be one time okay that because you can still be a person who's got a good heart and great generosity and just set a limit. Okay. 
that helps a lot. Thank you. And for you to to work in a in a school district in an impoverished school, mm-hmm. and you could be working in you know a school with middle class kids or wealthy kids, and you're choosing to do what you're doing, and then on top of it, you're mm-hmm. helping out those kids out of your very low teacher paycheck. <laughs> I mean, right. you you're a great person. And Thank you're not you. going to be any less of a great person if you say to adults, this is the one time and this is it. And then you can feel like you've set a reasonable boundary. But keep being the great person you are. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, John. Hi, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, John. So somebody wants a lot more money out of you for something that you've been paying for through the years. Tell me what that is. Well, life insurance. My company furnishes a set amount based on my pay, and then I added supplemental to it. Well, now I'm getting short of hair, long of tooth, old of age, however you want to say it. Premiums are going up quite a bit more. <laughs> what does this insurance do? Is it is it it's straight life, life insurance? insurance? Okay. Yeah, it's just a life insurance. And do you uh, have other life insurance, or is this what you've got is what came through your employer? No, I have got another policy, and the other one is like, oh, when you just pay on, it's supposed to build up, but I'll never get it paid off by the premium that I'm paying. They they keep wanting me to increase premium to pay it off, and I've I've paid years on it, and it's oh, it's a fifty thousand dollar payout policy, and I think cash value on it's about fifteen now. Okay, so fifty thousand dollar policy. If there's somebody who depends on you for income. 50 is not going to be enough. So tell me your oh. overall picture. Like, who? Oh, no, no, no. I just want to leave a, a little extra outside of my estate, outside of, you know, 401ks and all that other stuff for my kids and grandkids. All right. So, so you're with. living on your own. Yep. So you probably don't need that work life insurance that's going way up in premiums. Okay. Because if the premiums have reached a point where, because of your age, they're escalating really quite rapidly, that's not going to get better from here. You know, yeah. it just gets yeah. to be more and more expensive. How's your health? Fairly good. I, I got a few problems, health problems, diabetic and stuff, but physical-wise, it's in good shape. All right. So with diabetes... If somebody depended on you for income, even with those premiums going up at work, I'd have you keep doing it. But because Mm -hmm. nobody needs money from you to live when you're not with us anymore. Oh, yeah, I know that. I just wanted to leave them a little something extra because, I mean, they'll they'll get my estate and other stuff and things. Let them have have that because (laughs) unless, I'll tell you, the only exception, okay, if you're paying for this insurance from work, and even with the premiums escalating, it makes no difference in you being able to live the life you want to live. And you'd like nope. to know that you've got more that your your kids and grandkids would have. If you want to pay for it, go ahead. Tell me, how much coverage is it, and what are they billing you per year now? Uh, it's billed off from like $0.42 cents per thousand, and... And it's a $100,000 policy. That's $0.42 cents per pay period, 26 pay periods in a year. 
and I think that figures out about 160 bucks or something a month. All right, 160 a month. So you're paying $2,000 a year for $100,000 in coverage that would go to kids or grandkids. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, that's just going to keep going up each year. How many more years are you going to work? I keep telling them till I die. I have no reason to retire or anything. I get, you know, I get enough vacation. I, I go visit grandkids. I go do what I want. I few vacation days here and there and i'm not one to take uh i've never taken big vacations don't have interest in it oh well you're missing the whole world then (laughs) but but as far as keeping this two thousand against a hundreds a lot in premiums but if it will give you some peace of mind knowing you're leaving that hundred for loved ones then go ahead and pay it if it's not, pay that premium if it's not making any difference in your lifestyle or the life you want to live. At least till the premiums get to a point where you're like, wow, that's too much. It's time for Ask Clark. That's when you post a question for me at clark.com slash ask. And we've got multiple ways that we provide assistance to you if you post at clark.com slash ask. One is you may end up in a conversation with a member of Team Clark. That's our off-air advice line that we've had since February of 1993, where you can talk with a member of Team Clark. You also can check a box that you specifically want to talk to me on the show. Or producer Joel can ask your question for you. I sure can, Clark. And you do it so well. Well, thank you. Thank you. And Bob has a question. He says, my wife and I are shopping for a new car, and we're looking at electric and hybrid vehicles specifically. Since we keep our cars for 10 years or more, we want to know how much it would cost to replace the batteries if they went bad. Recently, I found an article online that said the battery replacement for the Chevy Bolt was over $15,000. Is that true? That is possibly true. So with the electric vehicles, most manufacturers give you extremely long warranties on the battery, usually eight years or so. Um, the good news with the batteries is the developments for them have gotten so much more sophisticated, and I don't think we're long from when manufacturers will give 10-year-plus warranties on the batteries. Um, they only vehicle that I'm aware of that had extremely serious failures with their batteries is Nissan with the early model years of the Leaf that the battery packs failed at very high rates, but generally the batteries have proven to be extremely reliable and there's uh, apparently a new battery coming that will last for a million miles, which seems impossible. It means that you'd be moving the vehicle would wear out way before the batteries. But 15000 today that's possible. Uh, Ten years from now, based on the uh, price curve happening with batteries, the replacement would probably be more in the range of $5,000, like replacing an engine in a vehicle. All right, Clark, Nikki wrote in, speaking of cars, says, do you recommend working with an independent insurance representative to compare and find the best rate for home and car insurance and to help determine how much coverage is needed without being overinsured? Great question. I love for you to work with an independent agent. Independent agents are not as prominent in the marketplace as they used to be. 
because so many insurers are what are known as direct writers now, where they either only sell over a toll-free number or they sell with what are known as captive agents like Allstate and State Farm do, where you only talk with people who sell just their insurance. An independent agent is somebody who can sell from multiple insurers, is usually somebody who's very experienced, they're usually older, the people that are independent agents, and they can tell you, based on their knowledge and experience, what coverages make the most sense for your situation. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. I started talking five years ago about a technological breakthrough that would take driver's licenses to be fully digital. Uh, Counterfeit driver's licenses have always been a problem, and so that's why, as part of Homeland Security, we have to have these new driver's licenses that have the, the star up in the corner or a state equivalent is approved by Homeland Security that shows that you've truly been vetted and verified. And then on top of that, now 10 states have a digital driver's license that is on your phone and connects directly to a special state database. So there's no question that your driver's license is actually valid and real. It eliminates the thing of, you know, people always have their phone with them, but sometimes they may forget their wallet or misplace it. They still have an actual real true driver's license. And as states, as it moves from 10 states to all 50, you'll have this option of being able to have a digital license, something I can't wait till we have. And now states are starting to roll out digital license plates or tags. And this is a brilliant idea. Think how many times you see someone driving along and they've done a handwritten sign that they've had to put up a license plate or tag stolen. It's been a terrible problem because somebody who didn't pay maybe state taxes or in states that require uh, various emission testing or whatever, they steal a tag or plate, put it on their vehicle instead of having the one that's supposed to be there. Well, you eliminate this problem with the digital tags or plates. And California has been rolling this out. Arizona has had it since, I think, last year. Michigan has it, which I did not know. I saw in a USA Today story that Michigan had added this as well. And so what's really fun is this gives states another opportunity to make extra money if people want to have all kinds of vanity plates that instead of having one particular one, you can change it all the time. So whatever you're feeling like on a particular day, it still shows your actual real plate or tag number, but it can be a completely different mood or image every single day. (laughs) So what will make people do it is if it eliminates hassle and hopefully eventually it will cost less as well. Kenneth is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kenneth. How you doing? 
Great, Clark. How are you? Good, thank you. You got a question yeah. for me about LegalZoom.com. <clears throat> I do. Yes, sir. I'm taking over a business here in July, trying to get some of the pre-work stuff done out of the way. Um, I'm going to set it up as an S-Corp. And I was curious as if you would recommend hiring an attorney to guide me through the process, or do you think it's something that a normal person with normal knowledge could guide themselves through on a website like that? With LegalZoom, I I think you can do just fine. LegalZoom is an organization I've actually used to form some of my corporate entities. And I've never had even the least amount of trouble from them with anything they've ever done because it's a pretty streamlined, easy process because they do such a massive volume of them and Mm -hmm. it's really, really inexpensive to use them. But I recommend, you know, they have a teaser rate for forming an LLC or an S-Corp and then they have a mid-price and then they have the expensive one. And Mm -hmm. I have always gone with the most expensive so that which is still very cheap because i've never wanted to be in a position where they said well if you would have hired us for this that wouldn't have happened there wouldn't have been a problem okay i want to know that i can just worry about the issues involved with running my business instead of people pointing fingers at each other right okay sounds great yeah that's great advice let me tell you the bad part okay The bad part is that they will try to sell you everything else on earth once they have their hooks in you, and be prepared for that. Be prepared for them trying to get you to do trial offers of different subscriptions, and you just got to follow a simple rule. Just say no. Carl is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Carl. Hello, Clark. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely, Carl. How can I be of service to you? I had a pretty generalized question about USAA. Uh, well, thank you for your service, by the way. Which branch were you in? I'm a CB. Well, I appreciate what you do for our nation's freedom so much. Thank you for support, and thank you for your service as well. Certainly. I've had USAA for a while, and I didn't really start digging into USAAs beyond car loans and car insurance and home insurance, that kind of thing. I had no idea that they had offered so many things. I had no idea that they had retirement account services and they have, you know, different style, you know, the VA home loan and just tons and tons and tons of different things. I, I didn't know if you'd explored deep into that. I didn't, I didn't want too many egg, you know, too many of my eggs in the same basket kind of scenario. So um, USAA serves a unique population, just like Navy Federal and PenFed do and the big bases that have their own credit unions, that there are unique differences with military personnel that often traditional financial institutions and insurers just don't really relate to or understand. They don't understand deployments. They don't understand any of the things that are part of your life. So USAA has ended up establishing themselves in more and more categories because there was a need for the members for those things. But uh, I've been a USAA member since the 1970s. And historically, I've used them for auto homeowners and for my kids 
they do checking accounts with them because they have such a good youth account. But I've mm-hmm. not done investing with them, which is uh, most of the investing activities they have, they're actually selling off to Charles Schwab. Oh, okay. And um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things they offer that have not been services that have been relevant for me, like the mortgages. But there's nothing really you need to fear about doing multiple activities with USAA. They are an extremely well-run organization, and they do such a good job for service members and their families that you can feel comfortable and confident with them. A lot of people do split. Like, they'll be, are you a Navy Federal member also? Correct. Yeah, so a lot of people will do insurance with USAA, and do banking type things and mortgages with Navy Federal or a okay. mix like that. So you're not putting everything all in one basket. Okay. Well, thank you. And again, thank you for what you've done for our wonderful nation. Jeff joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Clark. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, you're the opposite of what we were just talking about with Carl, where he felt like he had too many things he was doing in his life all in one place. You've got things scattered too many places. Is that right? Yeah. Through uh, what my wife and I, we reached brought to our marriage, and then uh, what can only be called unfocused investing. We've got, you know, we've got a bunch of different assets scattered around in different brokerage firms, you know, some 429 plans, 401ks from current and former employers, and you know, savings accounts, and, and it just seems like it's scattered with no with no plan. And I feel like there's enough there that we could be doing something better with it. Well, you know, you're not alone. You know, people used to work for a single employer or two for their most of their working lifetime or all their working lifetime. And today our lives aren't like that. And so we're yep. here, then we're there, we're somewhere else. And so we can end up with a string of accounts. And so there are many cases where you can look at one and you're like, why do we have this account? And so with 401ks, you've got options. How many old 401ks do you have hanging out there? Well, well, we've only got one old one from a former employer of mine. And then my wife's got a, a current one that she's kind of rolled a couple of employers into. You know, we've got those, but then we've got some other you know, managed accounts inside of a brokerage firm and, and these kids' 429 plans. and You mean 529s? Uh, oh, yeah, 529. I'm sorry. Yeah, 421. Yeah, 529. So were you yeah, getting lower fees on their college savings plan by calling them 429s instead of 529s? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I've heard you talk about the Garrett Planning Network, and it sounds like that might, it might, that might be the right time for us to talk to somebody and, and help us rationalize everything you're doing because it sounds like you're at a point in your life you've been busy you have a lot of things going on a lot of moving parts paying to sit down with somebody and pay them their hourly fee to look at everything you've got like at garrett and see how you would because one of the things they'll do is they'll get you to focus what are the goals you're trying to achieve and when are you trying to get there and so once you have a, a roadmap of where you're trying to go, it's a lot easier for a professional like that to say, well, you know, 
this stray account over there would probably make sense to move it over here and take this one and consolidate these four together into one. But don't mix this one with that one and that kind of thing. So yeah, right. that that seems like that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Have now, you and does, your wife does, talked about uh, like what your long term plan is, like when you want to bag work and what you would do when you bag work and that kind of stuff where you'd live? Not really. We've got three kids. The oldest is going to start college in the fall, so that's kind of been our our ten year plan is is trying to get three kids through college and you know and not come out the other end with nothing. Sure. So. So, so that's exactly why this is a really good time for you to sit down with a professional and see how you're doing with that, see how you're doing, the two of you, how you're both doing with saving money for the long game. Right. And do you need to be doing more of that? Or is it okay for you to pull back a little bit on that so you have more money for the three kids' college? And or are the kids... Are you really short of what you're going to need for your own retirements? And so maybe the kids are going to have to work while they're in school or borrow some money or go to a cheaper school. Exactly. So this is a great time with you having one kid closing in on college to do this now. And Garrett Planning Network is a great choice for you to do that. For those who aren't aware, it's kind of like going to a CPA or a lawyer but somebody for financial planning who is a fiduciary to you, only recommends what's good for you, doesn't sell products they get commissions from, and just goes through with you at an hourly fee what it is you should be doing and how you're going to make it happen. Joe joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Joe. How you doing? I'm doing great, Clark. I was hoping to get some advice on car insurance. Let's see if I can be of use to you. Okay, uh, my wife and I both purchased cars in 2013. Mine's a 13 model, hers is a 14. And we both have you know, low mileage of under 65,000. Wow, you don't uh, do I, a lot of driving. No, I have a very short commute. My wife works from home, so it's really, uh, really a, go- a good deal for us. You know, I know the resale value on these cars is you know, between twelve and 14,000. So I'm wondering, at what point does it make sense to drop collision coverage and only carry liability coverage on a used car on, a, on an older car? Yeah. So at 12 and 14, you're probably too high. The safest zone for dumping collision and comprehensive is when the value of the vehicle is down to where the insurance premiums would exceed 10% of the remaining value. I mean, in, in your example, that would require that you're paying 1200 bucks a year on the $12,000 car and 1400 a year on the $14,000 in value car for collision and comprehensive calculated on an annual basis. And you would have to have really, really expensive insurance to have tripped past those kind of premiums. Yeah, I think based on what I'm paying now, we're, uh, we're still not close to that level yet. So, you know, there are people who, it freaks me out, but there are people who only buy liability when they have a vehicle worth quite a bit of money. And if you were to total a vehicle and you're out $12,000, what would that do to you financially in your life? 
we could buy a new car and it wouldn't kill us, wouldn't hurt us that bad. Okay, so then we're talking about the psychological aspect because the purpose of insurance is to replace things you can't afford to replace. So if you're so financially secure that not covering for collision comprehensive would have no impact on your life, then this is really about sleeping well at night. Okay, that makes that makes perfect sense. So if it's just dollars and cents, the original formula I gave you is normally what's recommended based on how often people have accidents, that kind of thing. But if if the money to replace is not significant in your life, then just make your own call. Now, I, I'll tell you, I continue to keep collision comprehensive till the formula. And I, I don't know that's the right decision on my part. You've got to make the right call for you. Joel, we have time for an Ask Clark right here. And Ask Clarks are where you post on Clark.com when you have a question. Sometimes you'll be speaking to me. Sometimes you'll speak to one of our team Clark members. And then other times, producer Joel will ask your question for you. Yeah, Clark, Ram has a question. He says, will having a 529 plan reduce my chances of getting scholarships? So generally not. So a 529 plan, if it's owned by the parent, for the benefit of the child, as a general rule, will not affect eligibility for scholarships and has a minimal effect on financial aid. So it's more important with the idea that that scholarships are maybes, but money in a 529 plan is certain, that contributing to a 529 plan is a great thing to do to defray the costs of college. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.